This is the future. And humanity is all but extinct. First they start skipping prescribed drug dosages. Then they begin touching. I volunteer as tribute! You can stop this. You can change things. I know that there's something more. Then we've only got one choice. We fight. Fight the future with Dan and Paul. Welcome to Fight the Future with Dan and Paul. I'm Dan. And I'm Paul. And I'm Cecile. I'm very pleased to introduce you to Cecile, my friend, who is in Switzerland right now, specifically Lausanne. Yeah. Uh, what I mean, Bern right now. Bern? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say them the American ways. Bern, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I am in Rovereto, Italy, for some reason. Uh, which is a small town amongst the mountains of the north. And Paul, you are in Victoria, British Columbia. Yeah, yeah. We're spread all over the world, a multinational crew, to take a look at this silly, silly movie. Yes, this is a movie called The Fifth Wave, 2016, based on a book from 2013 by Rick Yancey. Grabbing onto the edge of the wave of the whole young adult dystopia boom mm-hmm. i'm so pleased to have you finally on the podcast cecile thanks bring the uh, european perspective i'm so happy to be here mm-hmm. so i was listening to the podcast on my way home quite a lot of times and it's strange to not be walking at the moment there you go i'm glad <laughs> you didn't you're not walking mm-hmm. yeah that could be dangerous as well as obviously not very good for audio recording reasons does that so you're inside your favorite podcast. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. It's amazing. <laughs> we both had to bootleg the movie, by the way, me and uh, Cecile, because, yeah, it didn't open in Robredo for some reason. Yeah, and it didn't open in Switzerland at all. Really? It didn't open in Switzerland at all. They didn't even bought. Is it like it's going to be later, or is they just decided it's not worth it? I don't know why, uh, but it was showing nowhere. So I don't know if they will show it at all. Probably not. Switzerland is like this movie Goliath. It's a bad sign if they don't... Don't they sometimes insert scenes just for the Swiss audience? <laughs> no, that's what you Americans do. <laughs> Into Swiss films? Oh, uh, yeah, well, um, I have a theory that when a, a French film is good, then uh, Hollywood will either remake it or take the original and remove the soundtrack and remove the voices and put it into American taste. Are you still mad about March of the Penguins? Yes, I'm still. I, I will never stop being mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> never. March of the March of the Penguins was was changed for the American release. I didn't actually. Yeah. Wait till you hear that. <laughs> they changed it completely. So March of the Penguin is great mostly because of its amazing Emily Simon soundtrack, which they removed for mm. a more standard classical soundtrack, and then March of the Penguin is narrated at the first person by quite well-known French actors. And this has been changed to a third-person narrator. So, Paul, you have to get this straight. This is famous actors pretending to be the penguins. So, yeah, speaking a lot of like, <laughs> je t'aime. Well, they don't talk too much about their emotions. Wow. But yeah, that is like a totally different movie. <laughs> <laughs> My point, exactly. 
<laughs> so when this movie, if it were to open in Switzerland, maybe they would change it into a nature documentary, The Fifth Wave. Mm-hmm. Mm. Where they'd just have a voiceover of some Swiss person. And here we see the American teen in their natural habitat. <laughs> yeah. But somehow the way this movie is executed just seems very sort of American in its sensibilities. Well, it was quite exotic in some parts, uh, especially the, the football obsession. Uh, <laughs> the guy is leader of his team, I think it's called. And that seems uh-huh. to be a huge deal. That's very, very mm. exotic for us. Yeah, not European football either. Yeah, so it's, it's like the weekend version of rugby, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> I'm not yeah, going to comment on that. We may alienate. What am I saying? We have no football fans in our fandom. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Cecile. She cost us the key football jock demographic. Yeah, so this is Fight the Future, where every episode we talk about a young adult dystopia. We don't review the movie. We talk about the world itself. This movie was 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, so there's no need for us to kick it anymore. Except mm-hmm. we probably will a bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, we had to watch this movie mm-hmm. because of <laughs> our self-imposed task. But, yeah, it is a bit funny to be struggling so hard to get a screener for this movie when uh, we're in Europe, mm-hmm. close to, like, art and history. Yes, it was a lot of work for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about the fifth wave, uh, which I kept googling the third wave by accident and learning about third wave feminism mm-hmm. mm. uh, bikini kill and uh, the vagina monologues mm-hmm. right so we're going to talk about the setting plausibility scariness hope for the future and a little segment i call how would they do let's get into the setting the setting they don't know so much about what happens uh, apart from the fact that Earth is invaded by aliens mm-hmm. uh, and they arrive in a flying saucer, which mm-hmm. doesn't look like it was designed to fly in an atmosphere, but for some reason <laughs> is capable to. Wait, what flying saucers are designed to fly in an atmosphere? Well, yeah, none of them. That's my point. <laughs> I like when it flies over and it's all covered in black spikes. Mm-hmm. We're like, so are they friendly, do you think? <laughs> Maybe in their culture, black spikes is synonymous with welcoming. Mm-hmm. We don't know. They're aliens, right? Like, we don't actually see any aliens at all. We see people who are supposedly taken over by aliens. Although, I don't know, I started to actually kind of question that by the end of the movie. <laughs> whether these people are actually people whose brains have been taken over by aliens or whatever. Or whether they're just people who are, you know, helping out the aliens because they want to. Yes, Hmm. that's the the thing that is difficult. We don't have a lot of information because most of the information we have has been given to us by the aliens. So it could be complete uh, bullshit. In particular, these little animals that we see in the brains, we have no reason to believe that they're real in any way. Or corresponding to anything. Yeah, Let's uh, start at the beginning for people who haven't seen this movie, which is most people. All right, yeah, let's roll this back a little bit. So, aliens show up. Present day, the world. Saucers overhead. One day, there's no saucers. The next day, they just are kind of there. You don't even really see them move into place. 
it's all sort of told from the perspective of our our heroine. And then they start doing all these sort of waves of attacks. Each one could have been a movie unto itself, really. A movie that's already been made. Right. So, you know, the the first wave being that all the electricity, electronic stuff in the world gets destroyed and also cars and other things. that Things that run on do. batteries, yeah. So anything that runs on batteries or electronics is killed, um, which not only is like a movie, but I'm pretty sure is actually a currently running TV show. Okay, but no time to wrestle with that because we're on to wave two, mm-hmm. which is a wave. Yeah, it's earthquakes and stuff. Uh, but no time to waste on that because we're on to wave three. Which is bird flu. Yes, and that they're trying to kill everyone. Yep. So they're trying different weapons of mass destruction until there is uh, so little people left that they have to chase them one by one. Uh, I didn't get what, why they wanted to kill them all, since probably if you leave about a thousand individuals, then the species will die anyway. But they seem to want to be tough about it. They seem to be also very concerned about... they. They're sort of doing things that will kill people but won't destroy the planet. They talk about, so they're not they're not going they're not like nuking everybody or something like that. Yeah, so maybe they arrive at the end of their technology and they cannot do anything uh, so fancy as an earthquake or other um, to kill the remaining humans without damaging the environment. So they have to use conventional warfare at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to. Guess what the next waves would be, right? Because four and five happened during the movie. Right. I was thinking, you know, four, fifth wave, like cyberbullying, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, just infect all hipster beards with something. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, <laughs> just make people very clumsy. So they just, everybody keeps tripping everywhere. Oh, tie their shoelaces together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth wave was everyone's shoes being tied together. God damn it. The only people who survived were those wearing loafers. <laughs> and Crocs. Son, we're the Croc wearers. We have to carry forward the human race. Though all we know is that like, they're trying to kill everybody on the planet for some reason that is clearly extremely important to them. At one point, one of the guys is like, you would do the same, people, you're all warlike and so forth. If you knew what we were, why we were doing this, you would do the same. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to tell you why, but trust us, it's a good reason. Yeah, they need the space. Whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah, so human race wiped down to a tiny sliver. So we have the beginnings of several disaster movies in a row affecting this one family. The virus only seems to have killed one out of four of them, which is makes it not that great of a virus, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so they're all rounded up by these military dudes who say that they're the good guys, but they're actually the aliens. I'm not sure if we're not supposed to figure that out right away. It's kind of insulting if we're not. I started imagining this like idea that there wasn't actually any aliens like at all. <laughs> and it was all just you know the military or somebody messing with everyone. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you know, doing some sort of horrible takeover. It's true. So the giveaway is this kind of milligram experiment where they make them kill another kid. 
Otherwise, I would have believed the American Army story because maybe I'm not in touch enough with the current violence of of those kind of movies. But I thought it was possible. So you're saying you would have gone along with it? Um, I'm saying I would maybe ex- expect this kind of violence to be on the good side in some uh, modern movies. Because of your stereotypes about Americans. Because of my stereotypes about movies. Uh huh. Yeah. American movies. That's terrible. Uh, no, it's not only American movies. Definitely not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess you have Luc Besson and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Who's just as bad. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, so all of the adults have been killed. Instead of taken to a safe base, the children are taken away on these school buses by this military group that shows up at the survivor camp. Yeah, and it turns out the kids are being indoctrinated into being warriors. They're being turned into soldiers to fight the alien menace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the tests they go through is that they see an alien inside this little kid's skull, kind of like the puppet masters of Robert Heinlein or many other versions of that. They're green glowing tentacly things that kind of look like they're massaging the frontal cortex. They had this sort of x-ray machine that supposedly shows you who's an alien and who's not. Yeah. And apparently they're vulnerable to some kind of um, neurotransmitter because uh, when you fall in love, it disables them. <laughs> apparently so, it yeah. It starts massaging faster. So that will come to that. So, right, it turns out that these kids are being actually groomed by the aliens who are the commanders to go out, hunt down the last humans and shoot them to death. Whereas Cassie has escaped from all of this and she's out in the woods, but she's got to come back because her brother is there at the military base, also being groomed to be a soldier. I guess we can assume that this same plan is being carried out all over the place in different, not only all over America, but in all over the world. But this isn't just like a pilot program that they're doing. Yeah. And the way that the kids are induced to kill is that they have these heads-up displays that supposedly show the aliens inside people's heads. But they discover partway through that it is a lie, and they're being right. shooting regular humans. What's what's the movie with the with this like sunglasses that shows they live. people? They live. Yeah, such a good it's movie. Basically that, but you know, not good. Mm-hmm. So something that I um, that I didn't understand is since the aliens are responsible for giving all the information that we have, why do they give away the fact that they can actually control people? And um, my only explanation for that is that they think it's not a giveaway uh, because they've seen so many half movies that they think it's normal. Everybody does that and that uh, <laughs> we are accustomed and waiting for something like that. We would expect the aliens, because of the Earth movies, we would we would be insulted if they didn't try to take over our bodies. So possibly. Maybe, maybe that wasn't like they had the first three waves and that was it. Like that was the end of the plan. And then they started hearing from people on Earth that it's like, oh, the aliens can take over human bodies. My neighbor was totally an alien. And they're like, we can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that gives me an idea for another wave. And then they're like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. We could use this. You know, we could pretend that we could take over human bodies. What? That's dumb. How do you take over human bodies? I don't know. It's like a weird brain parasite. It doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Look, they're humans. They're stupid. If we just show them a little squidgy thing on the brain, they'll totally go for it. Yeah, it's like augmented reality, 21st century technology. It'll totally fool them. But they can't take over people. Uh, we know because even if they 
wood chopping, I was uh, suffering from schizophrenia and uh, not controlled by uh, by Lillian. He still has uh, superpowers. He's extremely strong. What's his name? Evan Walker. Evan. This cute boy that she meets out in the woods, yeah. Cassie, who has alien impulses. Right. By the way, they're called the yeah. others. Uh, when to me, I th- I would think that people naturally gravitate to the aliens, but fair enough. Call them the yeah. others. So yes, Elvin is not just crazy. He's also uh, more powerful than possible. Mm. So he probably he's... was really controlled by a, by another. But uh, love helps him to beat his brain parasite. Yes. If he's not controlled by another, there's he he talks about that they were there. He's sort of a sleeper agent. Like it's not. He's not really part of this fourth wave. He's actually was put there way, way before. Uh, yeah, he's a sleeper agent who was placed there beforehand, which makes their plan even more complicated. The others have actually been to Earth like way earlier. They were already here. Right. Like he says, ever since I can remember, I felt different. So that like they were here, whatever, 20 years ago. He thought he was a human. And he, but he was somehow sort of genetically engineered or had an other dormant in his brain for all this time or something. Yeah. So he heard uh, voices. That was the beginning, the onset of, of being different. He heard voices, and then once they appeared in the sky, they sort of took over. I don't know. I felt something <laughs> along the line uh, of the voices suddenly went too low to uh, disobey them. There was a switch, and then he fell in love, and the switch was off again. But it's so immediate, so direct, that I felt like it was a, a chemical reaction. Mm. Rather than a willpower one. Yeah, they have chemistry. In case it's not clear, uh, from at least especially because of the first three waves, like everybody is dead. I think they, at one point they said it's like 1% of the population is still alive. Mm-hmm. So... You know they have to. They've got the, this fourth and fifth wave thing going, but the first three waves were pretty darn effective. Yeah, it's just last bit of cleanup. Yeah, that one percent is always tricky, troublesome, very troublesome indeed. Plausibility. Right. So I know that planes don't work like that. Yeah, they can glide for a while. I'm pretty sure they don't just fall like directly down. <laughs> Yes, for me, the worst culprit was this EM pulse that uh, destroys everything electric or electronic and running water for some reason. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I guess there's like electric pumps that kept the water going in certain places. I don't know. Maybe. From what I understand, if, it, if something is turned off, it also isn't affected by an EM pulse. So you think that if Casey had her phone turned off, then she could have just restarted it and used it? Well, and also the all the towers presumably would have also been dead mm-hmm. so it wouldn't have been that useful well as a calculator yeah she could have watched movies on it or you know listened to her mp3 collection for a while they missed a real bet for product integration the samsung mm. phone is used to defeat the aliens yeah that's actually that's a serious problem when you have the aliens destroying all electronic stuff like i kept wondering if there all these shots of the dead phones were somehow promoting phones Mm. in a sneaky way like this makes an excellent mirror this phone (laughs) (laughs) even when out of batteries in a post-apocalyptic world your (laughs) samsung phones 
5.1-inch screen will make a great mirror. But you know, sometimes it's the sense of luck that makes you want to buy one. Like, she doesn't have one, and she wants one, and you have this pressing urge to have one. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to evaluate how much the alien's plan makes sense, because we don't know what they want. Right. Maybe they were expecting it to be a lot more difficult than it was. <laughs> They're like, all right, we have we have these three waves different waves. Waves seven through nine are the ones that are really going to get them. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, uh, sir, yeah, by the second wave, they're pretty much done. Oh, well, we've got this third wave already ready. Well, we might as well put that out. There's like nobody left. I mean, we can go down and like shoot a couple of them, but it's like, really? Huh. The Zandorians of Klaxar 4 were a lot harder to deal with than these guys. Sir, sir, we have a white, coddled, teenage American girl. <laughs> Prepare a new wave. We're in trouble. So maybe the most upsetting thing for me was the way that, uh, despite the fact that she's uh, in the forest and alone and doesn't have anything for days, her hair stays perfectly clean throughout the movie. <laughs> Some people just have good hair, I guess. Yeah. Her face gets a little, you know, messy, but Smudgy. her hair is still pretty good, yeah. I don't want to look like I'm praising the movie too much, but I found it relatively plausible in the way that we don't know anything. So there is really little for us to judge in terms of plausibility. All the information, or most of the information that we have uh, is coming from the aliens, which are not reliable, obviously. And well, we have no idea. I do believe that people would just go along with whatever authority came by, at least for a little while, after being pummeled by all these. Like, it all seems to have happened within about a week. Waves one through three. Yeah, a very short amount of time. And yeah, the, the idea of that it's sort of repeated a few times where it's like, oh, the people in authority are here. Everything's safe now. Uh, is is definitely something that I can, I can, I feel like is probably true, you know, that it's when in this sort of disaster situations like that, the idea that somebody somewhere knows what should be done and is doing it is very reassuring. But yeah, well, what you say really reminds me of Naomi Klein's book, A Shock Doctrine, which is about how when there's a big disaster that happens, like 9-11 or the economic crisis, everybody's left without a story, like what the hell is going on in my life? And if you step in right at that moment, with a story and some kind of scenario, no matter how ridiculous it seems. Like, what did they tell the kids happened to their parents, by the way? The kids expected that their parents were about to arrive on the next bus. Mm -hmm. They probably told them that a bunch of aliens got them. Or that they couldn't be trusted. <laughs> Which was technically true. Yeah. That they, right, that they <laughs> might be infected. Oh it, was, oh, it was terrible. Your grown-ups were all shot by a whole bunch of aliens <laughs> posing as soldiers. Not technically a lie. So I think their story was that screening the aliens took a lot of time, so they're probably just being screened. Uh-huh. Yeah, still being screened. I don't know. I'm still I was I'm still holding out hope that the aliens haven't actually been doing very much at all. They knocked out all the stuff and they created a bunch of earthquakes and then the lack of sanitation and stuff created a terrible outbreak of a disease and there, everyone started blaming each other, expecting the other that there were aliens walking among them, and you know, people turned on each other and started shooting each other. What if the first wave was an accident? They're like, "Oh, great, we get to meet a new sentient race." Oops, we just let a little electrical <laughs> pulse out. 
and the <laughs> waves two through five were humans doing them to themselves. Yes, it's just yeah, a they just way of saying hi. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we want to make sure yeah. to get your attention. Indeed. Yeah, now the the aliens have just been kind of cowering in their ships, being like, oh, we're in, such, we're in such trouble. Oh, I hope nobody oh finds out who did it. Oh, no. Oh, now it's going to be getting worse. Oh, my God. What's happening oh, down there? Dear. They're rounding people up. But this is a standard head signal. What's wrong? <laughs> Seems like their radio transmitters are not sturdy enough to take our receive our message. Yes, yeah, our message of peace. Scariness. I mean, it's basically combining the scariness of like three or four other disaster movies all put together. Like that's if you're taking the human perspective. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not scary for the aliens. <laughs> I mean, it is. Like, they're just really difficult to get out of there. It's like dealing with bed bugs or something. That's true, I guess. We don't usually evaluate scariness <laughs> on the perspective of the people doing the attacking, but I suppose, yeah. It would be. Yeah, they lost quite a lot of them. Yeah, some of some of us died. Like, this wasn't supposed to happen. We are supposed to have total dominance. But yeah, somehow we had to get down on the planet. We did not count on love. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest weapon. I feel like there was more stuff about that in the book, maybe... Evan, you know, it has this thing about how, like, the others think of love as just, like, a chemical reaction that's designed to make people not attack each other. But they've considered themselves to be above that. I mean, it tells us a little bit about other society that apparently they don't have, they don't understand love, I guess. Yeah, love is just a trick to get us to pass on our biology. Mm-hmm. So that's why you should be negging women and... <laughs> making sure they don't get their hooks in you. And he's like, love's not a trick. It's real. Yeah. Despite that, Liev Shriver, as the military commander, seemed to be able to really whip people up into, you know, he was pretty good at making speeches and stuff. You think if he didn't understand, you know, love and hope and all these things, he'd be like, all right, everybody, um, kill those people. You go kill now. Yes. Good job. Um, I'm a human, continue. by the way. Continue doing human things, like we all do. I think it just got the script from some Earth movies and copy-pasted it and just said it. <laughs> like, like Patton? Your job isn't to make your the aliens die for their country. Your job is to make... Oh, no, fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's actually a... That's actually... Your job is not to die for your country. Your job is to make the alien die for his country. <laughs> It's terrible. There's something is very chilling about the aliens' approach of just sheer sloppy brutality, like just wave after wave of just like carelessness, mm. sweeping over the earth. In in terms of scariness, I feel like there would be kind of almost like a fatigue, where it'd be just like I, <laughs> I just can't. I, I stop caring after the second wave. Yeah, it's just no, but like I, I mean, there is an aspect to that of. In you know, in reality, where it's just like I can't process all the horrible stuff that's going on. There's too much stuff happening all at the same time. Just totally shut down. So I think what scared me the most was this this training, this grooming of the kids. How you mm. you have this um, propaganda that 
the only way to become an adult is to accept the violence in you. I think it's pretty much shown in the way that they have to kill this other kid just to be part of that. Uh, and then you have this uh, this big um, motivation discourse where it's like, you know, this is what you have to do. Uh, but basically what he's saying is you have to accept the fact that you are going to kill other humans. This part, I think, is somewhat credible and relatively scary. Yeah, it's chilling, right? Yeah. And they, re- and they really emphasize this idea that you know, you're not killing humans. There are, the human is already dead. You're just killing the alien now. Which is just saying, go past your empathy. Your empathy is the enemy. Just kill it. Hmm. How would they do? I am a hydraulic engineer. And I work supplying water to Detroit from Lake Erie. And all of a sudden, wave two... The water just stopped. What the heck? It's wave one. Wave one. No, it's wave two. Oh, no, you're right. Wave one. All the electricity is out. I'm down in the pipes. It's completely dark. And the water cuts off, too. What's going on? This is sinister. It's like there's a force field holding back the water. It's not just that like the pumps stop working, that there's actually something stopping the water from flowing. Magical water stopping. You're down in the pipes being like, oh, well, this is just perfect. My day could not get any worse. And then you cut to like a tidal wave coming up. So. Yeah, this is a fucking nightmare in the making. This is going to be a ton of paperwork just for starters. Yeah, you, you've been down underground for an extended period of time. Nobody's bothered to tell you about the aliens and everything. Yeah, I've been down there for like eight hours working on this pipe with my wrench, just trying to get something to flow. Come back up. I'm like, you guys are not going to believe what's happened to me today. <laughs> okay, everybody, listen up. I have a story for you. Oh, what's, and everyone's what's that up just there? looking up. Yeah. <laughs> and then they start sneezing. And I am a other sleeper agent, hmm. although I don't like that term, you know, sleeper agent. I I'm not sleepy that, at all. Exactly. That implies laziness, which is not the case. But it's one of these strange things where for my whole life, you know, I've, I've just been a regular person living on Earth. I always felt a little bit different and had this little voice in the back of my head. But, you know, people say like, oh, the little voice in your back of your head stuff. And I didn't realize that other people don't actually have a voice in the back of their head. Kill <laughs> all the humans. It turns out that most people, they are just using that as like a metaphor. Uh, whereas mm. I actually have a voice in my head, and then these spaceships showed up, and the voice was in my head was like, "Oh, thank God, the spaceships are here finally." And I'm like, "What?" And the voice is like, "Yeah, okay, here, buddy. Here's what we're gonna do." And then the voice explained all this, how the whole system works. And I'm like, "Oh, that makes so much sense. Great!" And it told me where to go. And it said, this is your area. This is going to be your your district. You have to patrol this area. And you have to uh, kill anybody you find here who isn't an alien. And I'll be like, uh, how do I know whether they're an alien or not? And the voice is like, don't worry, I'll tell you. Like, okay. They're like, wait a minute. Why, do I, why am I killing all these people? Like, because people are bad. Aliens are the way to go. They're like, am I an alien? It's like, you're kind of an alien. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's sort of like the host. You know, the movie we did a very long time ago. 
I feel like there actually is like a little bit of back and forth between the human part and the alien part. Like, all right, buddy, another nice day patrolling the woods. Yeah. Weather's looking good. And but and once the aliens actually showed up in the sky, uh, the alien part became much you know louder and stronger and made a lot of sense. I, I've been kind of patrolling my area, luckily or maybe you know not luckily, my area is actually is kind of not not a very highly populated area. So I haven't killed too many people yet, but I'm hoping that this plan that they have with uh, a bunch of kids who are going to, you know, go around cleaning things up. It's going to speed things up. So, because apparently all sorts of great stuff is up on the spaceship. And once we clean up all the humans, then I can go up to the spaceship. They've got like those new movie theaters where you, you sit in big armchairs and they bring you dinner. Yeah, yeah. The aliens in your in the brain are probably, yeah, they probably have, can tell you about all the cool stuff that aliens do. <laughs> it's like, you guys, oh, PlayStation 4? No way. We've got something way better. It's like, I'm mind controlling you, but I want you to enjoy it as well. You know, like, I want you to be psyched. Yeah. There's no reason why this can't be like a collaborative process. <laughs> yeah, so you can feel this feedback form about uh, whether the mind control was nice or not. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I'm a, an insurance seller by day, but uh, this is just a job. I don't really care. It pays the bills. What I care about is uh, I have this um, ufology forum that I moderate. And I mm -hmm. moderate it because I participate a lot, because I'm very much into that. So I spend several hours a day behind my computer, looking at old photos, um, trolling with other people, using some uh, slang and acronyms for UFOs, different type of uh -huh. UFOs, and B for non-believer and other type mm -hmm. of slang and acronyms. Uh -huh. uh, so when I hear that finally the big days come, where I have nothing more urgent than just meet these guys, and I need to see them. This is the big day. This is the day I've been waiting for all my life. I was not even sure it would happen during my lifetime, but it does. So I make these, these big flower rings and flower bouquets that I take with me to give it to the aliens and finally learn the truth. And I go as close as I can to the UFO. And as I see it, uh, I feel like my life is complete, finally. And it's actually true because it's the last thing I can think. Then I get killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What what gets you? Which wave gets you? So um, I guess it would be probably the first wave because that's uh -huh. where I approached. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I, I was um, killed by a flying cell phone uh -huh. that <laughs> somebody dropped. Uh -huh. In rage at it not working. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm. So you fall oh, to the ground yeah, with your wreath of flowers that says, welcome aliens. Yes, the white flowers getting dipped in my blood slowly, getting redder and redder. <laughs> oh, how symbolic. Yeah. Lost innocence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, that's, that's when the aliens are like looking down from the spaceship being like, whoopsie. 
We probably shouldn't have done that that one. Oh, oh well. I like that guy. <laughs> what about, uh, yeah, was there any way, did he have some kind of plan? Or did you have some kind of a plan to get up there somehow to get them to accept you? I just wanted to see them and um, if I could live with them forever. But I thought that the moment I would see them, everything would be clear, finally, and I would know what to do. I, I, knew, and they were I know just there are, another group of assholes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know there are people. Uh, I mean, in the real world, there are people. You know, they've they've built like actual like a special flying saucer landing pad. Yes, because the main reason they don't come is because they don't know where to land. <laughs> exactly. And then they just stay up there. Hey, you guys. This is the place to land. It's perfect. <laughs> Save your fuel. Yeah, I feel like there would be probably a contingent of people being like, yes, aliens, let's get close. I'll bet you there'd be a million memes of it by the next day. <laughs> mm. That would be humanity's last act, would be uh, to make silly gifts about the <laughs> flying saucers. Yeah. Yes. But then before they can export the gift, the computer dies. Right. The greatest gift of all, gift of all time. <laughs> the gift is the greatest gift. Died on someone's hard drive. Because they talk about that the saucers like come in, and then just like sit there in the air for like a week, don't do anything. Why is that even necessary? Like that doesn't seem in character for these aliens. Well, they were still working it out. <laughs> yes, and it was to be such an easy task. Probably they sent the interns actually. <laughs> They're just following what's in the binder. Uh, the second wave. Wait, what page is that? We mixed up waves two and three. Yeah. It actually okay. doesn't work very well. So can you please quickly yeah. review my fourth wave before I commit it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hope for the future. At the end of the movie, they're like, yay, we destroyed this one army base that was empty because everyone had already all the child soldiers and people in charge had already left yes but they have Ewin uh, which they can extract information for, from Evan? yeah because uh-huh. he knows a lot of stuff yeah so he's the traitor to the aliens which is a new thing a, a fifth column mm-hmm. and they know the thing about love which the aliens probably don't this idea with the child soldiers killing all the people and stuff so far pretty effective the one squad kind of figured things out a little bit yeah probably most of them didn't if by some miracle all the aliens left tomorrow uh the world is still completely destroyed right yes yeah 99 percent dead so you can remake it better so you're saying that you would enjoy an opportunity to start over, Cecilia? Yes, and push my operating system. <laughs> Wait, so the, you would begin a Linux dictatorship? Mm-hmm. On the, you would become the warlord leader. Yes, and then everything is compatible. Finally. <laughs> yes. You would force the drivers to be standardized. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone must use free software, but I don't want to. Tough. You are forced to use free software. Exactly. And you install virtual RMS. 
I don't even know what that is. There may be there may be a brief interlude in the operating system wars. So yeah, you're gonna tell me that you're gonna get Linux running on your box made out of sticks and leaves. Yes. And I'm gonna execute hey. it myself with a little stuck. <laughs> I mean if anything can run on a box of sticks and leaves, it's gonna be Linux. It's true. I give it that. And it always seems like it's running on a box of sticks and leaves, no matter what computer it is. Ha! Mm, well done. We now know that they respond to uh, sexiness. Right. We need to send our best seducers. Yes. Right, yes. So it's a, it's a society of PUAs and porn stars. <laughs> yeah. Those are our best troops against the enemy. Yeah, there's going to have to be a lot more shirts off wood chopping before this whole fight is done. <laughs> it's going to be tough. It's going to be intense. Yeah. Huge deforestation problem. <laughs> so I read a little bit ahead in the... There's one more book out, which I guess they won't make into a movie considering the movie was not a success. The sequel is called The Infinite Sea. So I can't tell you that much about it, except that not much happens. But in fact... And spoilers, there is some suggestion that there may not be aliens. That they may just be genetically altered humans. With spaceships? That's the part that is unclear. If it wasn't for the spaceships, yeah, I could totally go with, like, maybe there aren't any aliens. But there are definitely spaceships. Maybe those are just fake. Maybe they're just, like, cardboard floating yeah, there. Yeah, droids with perspective tricks. <laughs> they're, they're just balloons. <laughs> What's that? They're Weather balloons. balloons. Yeah. So another detail is that some little children have been installed with CO2 triggered bombs in their bodies so that if anyone breathes on them, they blow up, which is particularly insidious. If anyone breathes on the kids, they blow up. Yeah, because they're triggered by CO2. And they don't breathe on themselves. <laughs> I just spotted the flaw in this plan. Do the kids not? Yeah, do the kids not breathe? They do. I'm trying to figure this out. This this wasn't the strongest wave. Let's put it that way. <laughs> this wave should have stayed on the drawing board. <laughs> Look, not every wave is a winner, okay? <laughs> we can't all be wave two, waves. okay? Or they can be surrounded by plants so that they absorb the CO2. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly. I think the idea. rebels use this, use these CO2 bombs, which they have uh, surgically removed, probably in a, a very tense and filled scene where they have to hold their breath, do a little <laughs> surgery, then breathe, come back, do a little surgery. Uh, and then they can use those bombs and trigger them with CO2 canisters. Are they better Resourceful. than regular bombs? <laughs> <laughs> like just bomb bombs? Oh, they're just more dangerous. These are CO2 bombs, Paul. Right, but the, that's just how you trigger them, right? But but you don't get it, Paul. These are CO2 bombs. This will turn the tide of the battle. All right. I guess the aliens don't breathe out CO2. <laughs> it's so, like, uncommitted. Ah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> like, aren't the, aren't the aliens also, like, the they're, like, half-human? In human bodies, or are the alien humans actually 
physiologically different. I think the point is that we don't know that by the end of the second book, so fuck this. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it was all a dream. But that was the fifth wave. I, I kind of like it in the context of Fight the Future, just because it is almost like a lap around a whole bunch of dystopia concepts. Yeah. Well, we could quickly say, what are the component ingredients of this? Life under warfare of how I live now. Patriotic soldiers of Ender's Game. Child soldiers. Mm-hmm. The host. It's got the, the mind control stuff. Uh-huh. The plot element that is of the uh, soldiers being made to kill the wrong people, that's from a recent science fiction film, which I won't give away in case people see it, from about two years ago, that has a kind of a cool twist on it like that, just in case people see it. Yeah, so is this the first American movie you've seen in a while, Cecile? Um, Nope. I've seen Star Wars. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So how did Uh this compare to Star Wars? It was worse and more grainy. (laughs) And the music was not so good. And also, but it kind of sounded like everyone was talking into a tin can, right? Yeah. Because it was filmed on an iPhone in a movie theater. Yes, there was that. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, actually, as a as a movie review, not as good as Star Wars is not really that bad a review for this movie. Like, That's the Cecile grading that, scale. Yeah, that 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 would probably be considered a quite positive review for this movie. It's like, hey, we got mentioned in the same place as Star Wars. That's great. So I think it was a little bit better than Cool Cat Saves the Kids. <laughs> so we have the third point of triangulation for Cecile. But definitely, Cool Cat Saves the Kid. Yeah. This is a movie. This is a movie. It's a Hollywood movie about a cat huh? named Cool Cat. Are you sure it's a Hollywood movie and not a Swiss movie? Yes, I'm certain it's a Hollywood movie. Okay. It was reviewed by someone named, I think, the movie guy. Were the, did it have names like Jeff and Jennifer or names like Pierre and <laughs> Cloud? So it was names like Cool Cat. Okay. And I don't remember the others. It's uh, ambiguously English. Yeah. It's about um, a cat named Cool Cat and uh, who it treats bullying around him. 
bullying. Yeah. By saying that bullies don't have friends and are fat. Huh. Yeah. Nice. So this was an improvement on that. It was clearly an improvement out of that. Yeah, the bullying in this movie was definitely more severe. Yeah. Yeah, Leif Schreiber was quite impressive as far as, like, I feel like I would do what he said. Yeah. If Leif Schreiber, the actor, just told me to do stuff, I'd probably do it too. <laughs> yeah. He's a scary guy. Yeah. He's intense. Cool Cat could have helped me to deal with Leif Schreiber. That's, That's true. possible, yes. Don't you know? I don't know what Cool Cat sounds like. <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> you shouldn't shoot those kids. It sounds exactly like that. They're not really aliens. <laughs> right. Well, this is a f- Loading Ready Run podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening and or watching. And as with everything we do here on Loading Ready Run, this has been uh, sponsored by our Patreon at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. If you like the podcast and you'd want to uh, support us, please uh, follow or subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. And uh, we're always interested in getting more feedback. So uh, please leave us comments on iTunes or on our YouTube page or on our forum at loadingreadyrun.com slash forum. Thanks for joining us on this, Cecile. And Thanks for having me. And can, do you know our signature sign-off? Uh, no, I don't remember. It starts maybe. Maybe May the odds, the odds uh, ever be in your favor. Very well done. Excellent. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Ci vediamo. <laughs> Perfect.